And uh, today we have a special guest with us, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the movie for this week that we're talking about is Field of Dreams. Uh, we thought it was appropriate after Eight Men Out because there are uh, similar through lines of cheating baseball players. But now they're considered heroes, which I did not like. Uh, but we'll get into all of that later. I have my friend Maddie with me. Say hi, Maddie. Hi, everyone. Hi, hi Maddie. everyone. Maddie's uh maddie's uh good i guess i shouldn't talk for you are you good maddie i am good thank you for asking i'm very excited for thanksgiving yes thanksgiving's coming up uh but we will have an episode next week before thanksgiving so maybe we'll find a thanksgiving baseball movie we haven't decided yet we haven't talked about him uh and our special guest for the episode who specifically requested to be on the field of dreams podcast when we talked about it it's mr ben schneider who is our editor-in-chief for All Talk Not okay. okay, I'm not done yet. So those articles that you read are his editing and writing are contributing factors to how good they sound. Now you can say hi, Ben. <laughs> hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm a, Get the important stuff out of the way. I'm a diehard Orioles fan. Okay. Um, let's see. Yes, I am editor-in-chief. I started as a writer this year um yes. and i'm excited to be here okay <laughs> thank you wow he he got ahead of all my questions so he answered all my questions um yes so we're gonna be talking about field of dreams today and um first of all maddie let's let's follow custom what is the movie about for those that live in a box and haven't seen field of dreams so Field of Dreams is based about an Iowa farmer, Ray Kinsella, and he hears a voice in his cornfield tell him, if you build it, he will come. He interprets the message as an instruction to build a baseball field on his farm, upon which appear the ghosts of Shoeless Joe Jackson and the other seven Chicago White Sox players banned from the game for throwing the 1919 World Series. When the voices continue, Ray seeks out a reclusive author to help him understand the meaning of the messages and the purpose for his field. Wow. Well, that tells you all you need to know. So we're done with the podcast today. Goodbye. No. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty uh, in-depth description. Though. Yeah, that was pretty um that was pretty much all there. I I I want to start off this conversation by just pointing out like the elephant in this room today, uh which is obviously that this movie is more about mental health and mental illness than anything else because I cannot I I here's what I'll say. I think it's a really interesting concept for a movie it's very sort of whimsical um however because we don't get an explanation of why he hears the voices that tell him to build the field and then all the preceding or the uh, the the voices that follow i uh have to chalk it up to some sort of collective maybe paranoid schizophrenia i mean there's something going on and if that's the case it's not great uh but it's interesting because i would not describe it that way okay Uh, okay. i've heard the movie accurately described as baseball fantasy um and i think it's better to kind of like accept 
accept that there are fantastical elements instead of trying to rationalize them. Mm. Like he hears this voice that tells him to do these things and it leads Ray to have these profound revelations yeah. and others as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, so I think it's better to just say like, yes, there is some, not, not, I'm not saying anything godly, but like there is some sort of higher power at play that's telling mm. him these things. And it's not, it's not just a voice in his head. I actually so, disagree with everyone. I oh. think this was a. I think this was a horror movie in disguise. Yes, this is yes, yes, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. children. I agree. Born. I wrote that down. Because, I wrote that down. Because the first thing is so the opening shot of the movie. Well, first off, we do this little narration thing where apparently he decides to buy a farm. Number one, that is nowhere near my life dream. I could not imagine working on a farm as somebody oh, who's gross. from the south and from farmland stuff. Not fun at all. But he's like hearing whispers. Okay, well, but the point is that he has the farm now and he has to take care of corn of all crops. And so he's out in the fields and that's the first time he hears the voice, random period of his life. Mm. And we get a scene later where he's talking to farmers and they bring up the idea of hearing whispers in the corn. Like this is some horror type thing. Like this is a prelude to a children of the corn type thing for me. And I was like, Okay, kind of makes sense. He's the only one who hears it at first. And he's just, it's like kind of nighttime. It's like sun setting and he's hearing this whisper and Mm. we don't know who it is. Mm. It's a horror movie to me Mm -hmm. at first. I Mm. was scared and he was going crazy. It sounded like he was going crazy. I don't think, and then we have to get into the idea later of the schematics of this voice and everything because I don't understand it. No, I don't either. It, It is very confusing. Yeah. But- the the whole premise of the voice and hearing it in the corn it's it's scary i would be scared yeah um i i want to i i wrote down multiple times in my notes that this is a horror movie i i i precisely agree we'll get to the james earl jones scenes later um but those were scary um i thought the hearing the voice was scary the um I also I want to point out the daddy issues complex uh, that was going on because a lot of this stems back to daddy issues. Like the whole thing stems back to daddy issues. That's true. Um, if you so here's a question I'm going to throw out to the group. If you first of all, if you were okay, if you were on a farm and you had to build a baseball field because you were being driven by some spirit to do so, um. Would you do it or would you just play baseball in a local stadium? I don't know. I mean, that's the that's the conundrum because you have to think it's Iowa, right? So you have to think that there are local baseball stadiums. So it's not like because we know in these like in these like middle of nowhere towns, there's like Little League is like they're the only thing they live for. You know, that's why like Arkansas always wins a Little League World Series. You know what I mean? So I'm saying like I, I, I have trouble buying into that they need to, that they need to build this. The voice says, if you build it, he will come. It doesn't say if you play it. Yeah, that was the other problem I had, but that's at the way end. They didn't even play a game. I'll get there later. I'll get there later. But um, yeah, it was creepy. Um, I want to, um, I want to talk about the Chicago White Sox element. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, we saw eight men out. And that I would like to think is a pretty accurate depiction of both what they looked like at the time and what the uniforms looked like at the time. 
All of a sudden, you see the hottest Joe Jackson that's probably ever crossed the screen. I'm and, glad we brought this up. Yeah. Because that's what I was thinking the second that man walked. I was like, what is going on? Right. Also, the age of the players. Yeah, very interesting. Because yeah. in eight men out, I feel like there's less of a diversity of age. And for some reason, Joe Jackson looks super young in this film, but the other players look way older than him. When in Eight Men Out, they seemed closer. So I was yeah. confused at that element of it more than anything. I think the pitchers, um, I think the pitchers on the on the cheating White Sox were older. But yeah. Yeah, um, Eddie Sakat was at the end of his career. Yeah. Uh but uh the uniform was also tight as fuck which isn't at all what the uniform looked like. So they basically made it, they made it sexified. And I get it. I mean, you have a market and Kevin Costner isn't attractive. So you have to put somebody in there that's attractive. Sorry. Is that like controversial to like 1988? Some people would think, yeah. It's not. Um, he's not. He's not attractive. Sorry. He's a white man. I have a lot to say about Kevin Costner, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, uh, thoughts on, okay. Well, okay. <sighs> okay. The movie in its totality, and we'll break it down scene by scene like we normally do, but in its totality basically celebrates cheaters, which I have a big problem with. It basically is like they're celebrating. Well, they 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 want to give them a chance to play baseball again. Which it's not like there are a few things at play here. Number one, it's not like they can ever pick up a bat and hit a baseball ever again. They just couldn't play in a professional sphere, but they could play in the minor leagues or, like, on a fucking family night, okay? They could play in, like, a lot of different settings that, you know, so it's not like they were, yeah, they were banned from putting on cleats and going out there. But also, uh, the idea that, like, we need to give them a place to play so that they could finally live out their dreams of playing again, gross. They got punished for doing something awful that should have never been done in the first place and that, that was really stupid to try in the first place. And I just, I hearken back to, like, we're in this Astros moment of, like, they've been able to flip the narrative and, like, we were the villains and now we want everybody to love us again. But they did it to themselves. It's very similar and I don't like it. Do you guys have thoughts on that? I'm a forgiving person. Okay. And I think punishment in general, getting kicked out of the league was too harsh even for the players who definitely did cheat in the Black Sox scandal. I am also willing to forgive the Astros. I've, I've moved on. Uh, so I, I hear Heather as, as a salty Dodger fan again. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm a salty. Well, I mean, I don't. I think everybody hates the at It's more like hating the Astros because, like, why are they still allowed to play baseball is my thought. Um, I just don't. That the White Sox are wrong. The league was wrong to suspend the White Sox for, for the rest of their lives. And well, from the, the Astros weren't suspended point. at all. So it's like a lot of punishment. It, it was an agreement no with the league to get, this is a whole other issue, but it was part yeah, of how they like, got honest testimony. Is that, no, I understand that, but there wasn't even money taken or, I mean, there was no punishment whatsoever. And they, they didn't even get, uh, they got like a draft pick taken away once or something. Four draft picks. Um, okay. Um, so that was the extent to the punishment of like the worst cheating we've seen since the Black Sox. So a hundred years have gone by in between scandals. Um, anyway, I, you know, I just want to say that also it was weird when one of the players asked, am I in heaven or is this heaven at the beginning? Like, first of all, that was creepy. And second of all, like, are they in hell? Cause that's really funny. Um, like if they're, they're dead, so they would know 
Anyway, Maddie, take it away. <laughs> that that quote, first of all, whoever would go to Iowa and think they're in heaven, I'm sorry. Like the I didn't get that whole thing. Well, you don't know um, it's Iowa. The other big gripe I had with this movie mm. was the money issue, the way they painted the financial situation in the movie. So basically, Ray and his family have this farm. Their main export is corn, as you are in Iowa. And after hearing the voice, they yeah. decide to completely ruin their source of money. And the wife, I forget her name, but she makes it known Annie. at first. Annie. She's like, we shouldn't do this. We do not have the money for this. And he's like, no, no, no. The voice told me to. First mm. of all, mm-hmm. I would have ran so quick. This goes back <laughs> to my horror movie thing. You're telling me that you're hearing voices that you need to like stop your your whole export system. This is mm. your whole living. Iowa does not have a lot of like export things going on here. It is just corn. And you're like, no, we need to build this field immediately for the voice. And then once the field is built, nothing happens for like a couple months. We see this montage of him like looking out the window. And then finally the daughter comes out one day and it's like, there's a man outside. The first thing this family does is go, let's make him coffee. Let's invite him in. What is the stranger danger kind of mentality in this movie? Because they do not question this at all. There, There is no questions whatsoever. It is just like, we see this random man out on our field in Iowa after we've been hearing voices and we're like, let's invite him in. Let's do this. Also, my Mm. gripe with some of the choices they use for Joe Jackson is interesting because we saw in eight men out he plays a very dumbed down version of what I think he probably was sure in this movie he has no personality at all there is like two times in the movie where he smiles and the rest of it is very monotone it's like how are you what like I don't know if it's just the acting choice or whatever it's very weird um he doesn't care that he's there really in the first place. He's just kind of like, I just want to play. He's like, you know how to pitch or whatever. Like there's no prelude to this. He doesn't care. The ghost is not given any introduction. And then my whole aspect is that he continues to keep this field after he sees this ghost. And he's like, no, this is worth the money. Nobody else can see it besides his family and Uh, James Earl Jones character because when we get into later the money issue is expanded upon they're basically in in debt and they're going to lose the farm because they're not making any money so Mm. nobody else sees this operation at first Mm. and so you have to ask the question okay you get I, I get the point that it's supposed to be about you know the joy of baseball and the fantasy of it but Mm. you're not making money this is not going to change later on and mm. if the ghosts decide one day to not show up anymore, what's the point? There is no parameters explained for this supernatural ghost no. thing. Why would they stop showing up, though? They get to play baseball again. This is what they wanted since in their decades of not getting to play. Well, think, of the, think, of this, think of the philo- philosophical question where it's like, if you have immortality, would you keep doing the same thing every day or would you want to do something new? Like, would they want to play baseball every single day? Or do you think there's going to be a day where they're like, mm, I'm kind of tired of it. I don't know if I want to play anymore because I feel That's like that would be me. Well, we know the good place explored this question of like, 
if you could live in eternal happiness, would you? And the answer for all them spoilers ended up being no, and that they they wanted to stop being in heaven. So there is that is very interesting existential question. Um, but I want to pick up on what you said um, briefly about things not really making sense. Um, nothing made sense in this movie. One scene, like, one clue to me did not make sense. Like, even they found James Earl Jones' character is named Terrence Mann. By the way, he's an author of, um, like, a liberal book, which I want to talk about the book-burning Nazi scene. In, like, That's a great scene. I do, okay, I do, and I will. I'll talk about it later. But anyway, he has to find him. It's unclear why anything is happening. and um, and. Nothing for me, and part of the reason why later I'll give this movie a downgrade, is because events did not smoothly align. Um, one clue to me didn't really... It didn't really make sense why he was looking for Tannis Man in the first place. How he was able to find his home. Don't even like get me started on like how impossible that would actually be pre-internet and like pre-anything. Um <laughs> You know, and then they leave a baseball game early, which I think is psychotic. Uh, they left a Red Sox game early. That was weird. And everything was, like, weird. I didn't really understand the daughter. Like, the daughter seemed to be in on it, too. Which I think it's really cool that, like, the kid knows baseball. Like, of course, being a girl that knows baseball, too, I really appreciate seeing things like that. But um, I also thought she was creepy and weird. So it's like... I didn't understand how she falls off the bleachers. I'm like going all which way around now because she like fell and then ended up choking, but then was saved by a doctor who was Archie. Okay, who this, was this a is kid. a whole lot of things at once. Yeah, there's I'm throwing out a lot of things. This is all to say that uh, the through line of 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 events, um, it just left me like with a horror feeling. Um, and I'm sure this movie is it. The intention was the opposite. It was a feel good movie. And I just felt exactly the opposite. I want to talk about Mark later, the guy who offers to buy because he's bankrupt. And he's the only like rational mind in this whole movie, besides he's Annie the, the wife. <laughs> um, I just thought it was poorly... I thought it was poorly um, storyboarded. I think, I think one thing that I did like about the movie, though, and we talked about it a little bit, is the dad-daughter relationship when it came to sports like the yes. montage of him building and he's like explaining to her all these like things that happened in baseball and she's like listening and they're having this bonding moment I think that is really cute and I like that aspect of the movie that he has such a good relationship with her except for the scene where he's like at the table and he like snaps at her because he's like please shut up but you know it was cute and I'm, I'm glad they did that aspect of the movie because I think it kind of brings it back to you know kids enjoying the game and especially a young girl doing it especially because they didn't choose to do a little boy i think that was a good choice yes um, but yeah later on her the complications that arise that's confusing but we won't get there yet um since we're kind of in the middle now uh yeah. let's talk about the pta scene with annie calling out this other woman at this very large PTA mm. meeting, first of all. Mm. This is in Iowa. And there was at least like 100, 150 people probably in that room. Uh, it must be arguing, every teacher in the school, uh, every parent in the school. Yeah. Arguing about the book that uh, Mann wrote uh, about the 60s, 
the whole civil rights movement, the mm -hmm. Vietnam War, everything going on there. Uh, the white people are not happy about it. Let's sure. talk. <laughs> the 99% white PTA meeting didn't like it. And this woman mm -hmm. stands up and is just saying that, you know, it's like anti-American, you know, that it's, they just don't want to listen to his writings. Mm. Um, and we get a very nice uh, clap back from Annie calling her a Nazi cow and that she's mm. against book burning, which let me say the people in the room switch up real quick. They switch I, up I because they, they all were agreeing with this woman who is like, no, sure. we should not read the book. It's completely against our morals and everything, whatever the hell that is in Iowa. And then Annie stands up, calls them just some names, and then immediately they switch. You know? Right. Because she reframes like the discussion. Yeah. Well, if, but if you're going to be, I feel like people that are pretty racist, they don't really change their mind pretty quickly. I feel like they're pretty no. set in their ideas. Sure. And they did a whole 180, which, you know, glad to see some development in the town. But it was a little confusing. Like, I feel like that wouldn't happen normally at a PTA meeting. No. I um I, I just want to say to that, we have yet to see a movie that doesn't involve heavy racism and sexism. And if you think this movie avoids sexism because there's a daughter, think again. Ray owns the house outright for some reason, even though they move to uh, Annie's hometown of Iowa. And it's very confusing. So that's weird to me. And I just wanted to throw that little detail out there. But yes, the PTA meeting was brilliant. First of all, you guys should know, I started my college career at UC Santa Cruz, which is very close to Berkeley, um, where they went to school in the movie. And um, and so there's like a very similar vibe. And so I know a Berkeley girl when I see one. And uh, for this like liberal to like rule the PTA meeting was beautiful in every way. I love a good liberal am amongst conservatives. Um, and she uses words like fascism and, um, uh, and she says Nazi as Maddie says, and, um, I just think it's so relevant to now because not much has changed, but that's yeah. a conversation for another time. Ben, did since, you what? Yeah. Yeah. Especially since Republicans are reframing debates on education as, as kind of like a, a veil to to really talk about racism, right? Racism. Uh, so Ben, we've been you know other than that scene, we've been shitting on this movie quite a bit so far. Um, what sort of you thought? So your perspective is it's a feel good movie. They're living out their dreams. It's all cool. What do you think? Why? Why do you feel that way? Defend okay, your stance well, a little bit. I, I was going to defend you. You were saying how like the, the sequence of events doesn't make sense. So I'll, I'll defend that first. Um, okay. So so when he's sitting in, when Ray is sitting in the PTA meeting and Annie is defending Terrence Mann, that's when he figures out like, oh, like the, the like when the, when the voice says ease his pain, he thinks that means Terrence Mann's pain uh, because man is like this reclusive writer who 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 lost his love of baseball uh at like decades because he didn't get to play and and uh and baseball was way late to integrate stuff stuff like that um uh so ray says i, I think his his pain is what i have to eat so he he goes so and annie pushes back on this it's like okay driving to boston to meet an author who doesn't want to meet anyone 
is, is taking it too far. Uh, but then they, they realize that they had the same dream about, uh, about like sit, sitting in, in Fenway Park watching a game with right. Terrence Mann. And they're like, oh, you have to do this. Cause like, that's like a, like another element to the vision kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to Boston. There's like this back and forth scene of, of, of him like going to Terrence Mann's apartment after he like, he bribes like a, a gas boy of where he lives. So that's how he finds his apartment uh, mm-hmm. that like a, a local knows. Uh, Very so, weird. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could say that, but uh, Ter- Terrence Mann, of course, doesn't want to be bothered. Uh, Ray starts with like a, he starts trying to appeal to him. That doesn't work. He threatens him. That also doesn't really work, but like, he's so persistent uh, that, that Terrence Mann is like, okay, fine. I'll go with you. Cause I'm not going to get rid of you otherwise. And white men get everything they want. Ba-da-na-na-na. That's my song. Anyway, they do. And this movie is okay. emblematic of that. Uh, okay. Keep going. Uh, so, they go, so they go to the game uh, yeah. and, and yeah. Ray sees, and of course a magical thing does happen at the game. He sees sure. at one point, the scoreboard starts like malfunctioning that it, like flashes weirdly. And it, and it says Archibald Moonlight Graham, 1922 right, right. Chisholm, Minnesota, one game, zero at bats. And, and he, and Ray furiously writes all this down. He's like, Oh, this, this is my clue. This is what I came here for. Um, and then he turns to Terrence man. And he's like, did you see that? And he's like, see what? He's like, Oh, like, uh, I guess I wasted your time. Like, we can go now. So that's why they leave the game early, even if I agree that leaving a Red Sox game early is a horrible thing to do. Um, I would actually argue real quick that the most magical thing about that game was not the scoreboard. It was the fact that there were no lines for concessions. That's a when, good point. When has that ever been the case? And it was dead silent out there. They go over, number one, the concession people aren't working. They're just all standing there. Yeah, they're like, never would happen. Arms crossed, like weirdly. Arm crossed. They get their beers immediately. They get the hot dog immediately with no Mm. tray, by the way. They just hand it to him. A little bit unsanitary, maybe because it's COVID. But no, the the lines thing threw me. That took me Mm. way out of the scene. I was like, I've been to Fenway. No shot. Literally no shot. And you know what? I will say, by the way, I'm glad Fenway gets love in this movie because I don't care enough about Yankee Stadium. I don't care. Right. Fenway, to me, has been my favorite baseball stadium to visit ever. Uh I think it's insanely cool. I think the history behind it is so nice. And so I will say of the movie, I like the twist to go to Fenway of everything, even though it kind of didn't make sense that this whole thing happened. But I appreciate that they went to Fenway. Okay. Mm. So and did you have more? Okay, so you're just going through the whole movie. Cool. Continue. If you don't want me to, I, I no go, no go. Yeah, you're making points. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. so so they they drive all the way to Chisholm, Minnesota. We don't really know how long this takes, but we can assume that he's away from his Iowa farm for uh, a couple weeks, probably. Um, and they they find out that Moonlight Graham uh, became a doctor afterwards because he wasn't a good baseball player. He only had one game in this whole career. So he retired, became a doctor, moved back to his tiny hometown. And, but we find out he, he died like, uh, like 15 years earlier in 1972. So then, uh, Ray and Terrence are like, well, what do we do now? Like, we're kind of, we're kind of stuck in our, our quest. Um, but Ray goes to take a walk that night 
and like and magically he sees like it's 1972 again like the godfather is playing at the movie theater movie theater there's like re-elect nixon signs and, and like the cars ha- have like a little 72 on the license plate um and he sees moonlight graham walking down the street as an old man so they have like this really moving conversation about how uh moonlight graham says like like if if i had one wish i'd like to get a get one at bat in the big leagues again like that would be my one wish but like i i fulfilled my dream by coming back and, and helping all these sick kids um right so so th- that that's a really powerful scene uh I but know. then yes it is <laughs> wait bag bag it up for one second though because we need to bring this up by the way before the trip begins yeah. annie says where are you going to stay we do not have the money for a hotel where does he end up in the in this scene a hotel who's okay. paying for this hotel is terrence Mann paying for this hotel because they are out of money at this point number one gas this drive from boston to minnesota not cheap and the fact that the money issue again is escaped because this is not like five bucks he's spending he's spending a lot at this point and he already knew we were already aware they were going broke they were not going to break even on the farm basically right before he left so the fact also that annie went along with this trip just because of the dream even though the numbers don't lie you're not making any money that he just then decides to go to a hotel waste the money there Mm. and then that is just not at all discussed again right you know um as i was sort of uh saying at the beginning of this um, the the finances behind the movie make absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. It takes longer to build a baseball stadium. First of all, um, they didn't like a day. Does it make sense? Um, just the logistics of everything. Um, and he's sort of, I like Annie. First of all, props to her for being like the coolest wife of all time. Like mm-hmm. she's like going along with fucking everything, and she's like, okay, I'm game if you're game, babe. And like, uh, I'd like to think that we, you know, all us ladies could 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 achieve such a zen. I don't think we can. Um, but yeah, you know, um, that's a great point, Maddie. I I want to uh, bring up because you brought up the old man, and he also creeped me out a lot. Uh, if we're going on this horror movie theme, I'm sorry. Like, if you see, like, an old man walking, like, eerily down the street and it's, like, dark and cold, I'm running the fuck away. I don't care if you're, like, eight years old. That's just what, that's just my thought on it. Um, I guess none of this ever creeps me out because, like, if you listen for the clues and they do give them, like, you can tell who they are. When it, when when Karen says there's a man on the field, like, we know that's going to be Shoeless Joe. Uh, when When we see there's a man man walking down in 1972 with an umbrella we know that's moonlight graham because like, someone yeah i know but it's just like weird i don't know i just think a lot of people in this this movie this in this movie are deluded uh a lot and uh okay but go on ben with your analysis i'm, I'm enjoying it okay so so after going to minnesota they're they're kind of stuck like like moonlight graham is happy like what were we supposed to learn there Right. Uh, so they drive back and then they see a, a, a like a young guy hitchhiking and Ray says like oh I could use all the positive karma I could get. Again. They pick him up. They pick him up uh and he's like 
oh i, I play baseball like i'm i'm looking for a for like a, a league wherever you're going uh that and they're gonna like find me a job so i can play on the weekends and stuff and they're like well that's kind of that's like something that happened back in the day that's kind of weird uh but but i'm ray this is terrence what's your name he's like oh i'm archie graham uh and ray and terrence look at each other like this is this is weird. this is the thing. Uh, weird fucking so they, shit sorry go on i'm sorry this is like your favorite movie so keep going cool. uh so so they drive back to iowa uh ray introduces his his new guest to to annie and karen who are of course very excited to meet uh annie is excited to meet her favorite author uh shula show walks over walks over and it was like you're archie graham like you're the new guy like get on the field and and Archie is like the naive rookie is like cheerful and like, yeah, yes, sir. And they, there's like a couple of jokes here and there. Um, uh, Let's so, analyze the baseball scene real quick, because I have a couple of gripes with the baseball. Where the scene most now. baseballing happens. Yes. This is the first scene where we get a lot of baseball prior to this. They don't have enough players to play an actual game. They just do practice. Now we have magically right. more players yep. that we see some Oakland A's. A uh, Cardinals player. I think there was a Reds player too, There's but I'm not Giants. sure. Gi- well, yeah, the Giants. Um, first of all, the first pitches, Archie's up at bat. He's obviously the rookie, so he's going to get the most shit. They're throwing at his head. Yes, it's funny. That's not a strike. <laughs> first of all, that's not a strike. They do. They call it two strikes at his head. Yes. And then on the third one, he hits it because he goes to talk over to Joe and Joe is just like, kid, just take this one. He's going to throw it low and away. And so no, that means, that's where to look to swing. He yeah, said, that's the Joe says he doesn't want to load the bases yes. because it's already two and oh. Okay. Well, anyway, point is he hits it. He hits, this is the point. He hits a single. He okay. comes home. It was a single because only one person scored because they took the lead by one. It was a stack fly. Yeah, it was a sack fly. Oh, okay. Then I missed that. Sack fly, whatever. But the the playing of baseball, we have to keep this in mind. The catcher who speaks, we we need to keep in mind this catcher, everybody has heard interact. We, you know, this idea that the catcher is a part of the White Sox or whatever, we're seeing that first. Correct. He is a white. He's a White Sox player at first. Is that is that okay for me to say? Because then the plot twist happens later in the movie, and he is not yeah, the same person. That was weird. Yeah, there was there was a few plot holes, and we're getting to the end. I mean, I'll, because yeah, because yeah. he has the catcher's mask, but he takes it off, so we know it. It is not who we are later told it is. It is yeah, very visible very that it is not the same person. And yeah. then magically at the end of the game, it's a different person. Um, but then. As the game is going on, we get the scene where the, what's the friend's name? The one that's trying to buy the farm. Mark is Annie's brother. Mark Mark. is the brother, yeah. Mark comes back over, still can't see the game. I'm still not going to understand the logistics of why he, is this like a Polar Express? Because he doesn't believe. Okay, it's the Polar Express. So. So. He can't see it or whatever. He's thinking these people are crazy, which I would do the same. Annie, not Annie, the daughter, the daughter falls off the bleachers choking, which Which she doesn't, which, which is weird. Archie knows what to do. 
because he's standing on the field because we can make he comes off the field he becomes the older version of himself because the the theory is once you leave the field you can't play again that's the whole deal but he on the field understands and makes the decision that he can help this girl which means Mm -hmm. in his mind he would already have to know the skills of being a doctor to even go forward with that but he hasn't learned any doctor skills yet Mm. so they don't explain that plot hole where it's just like he hasn't become a doctor yet but he suddenly knows what to do and makes this decision he's also consciously aware that if he steps off the field it's he's not coming back on even though that's not discussed the logistics of that um they also wait a long time to go over and get this girl like we have to have this stare down moment where he's on the field and he's just like looking at her and the kid is choking like this apparently she did not look like she was choking yeah but yes go ahead go ahead the fight between mark and annie and ray that leads to the kid falling off the bleachers makes absolutely no sense whatsoever uh like it doesn't she falls in a way that doesn't like the camera doesn't even film it right like she she falls off one way but it looks like she fell off another way it doesn't make any sense Anyway, chokes on the hot dog. I want to talk about, this might be fast-forwarding a tad, but uh, then soon after all of this, so Annie's fine because the doctor helps her, but then he can't play anymore, so he just goes into heaven or something. I don't know what it means when you like walk into the cornfield. If you go back to hell, if you go to heaven, I don't know what you do. Um, this is if you believe it in We haven't been there, so we can't know. That's the right. thing. Right, because we're not dead, we're alive. Um, sure. But then, the probably the most confusing scene in the whole movie. Okay. Not Terrence Mann reading the baseball encyclopedia. Did you guys catch that? That he's reading yeah. while they're playing mm-hmm. the baseball encyclopedia, which is weird as fuck. Um, assuming they all know baseball, I don't know why you're reading encyclopedia during a game. It's weird. Well, he hasn't been following baseball in decades. He's he's catching up. Okay, but the rules haven't changed. That's the whole point of baseball. That's baseball's charm. Um, is that the rules haven't changed very much? Um, no, I was gonna say it's that more Terrence the encyclopedia Mann... than just the rules. Okay, whatever. Um, so basically, Terrence Mann eventually decides to, as the players are walking off, decides to join them, and I guess dies? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. So confusing how you can just will yourself to die like that. I mean, that's like crazy and weird and also scary. Um... But I guess it's sweet. He wanted to play baseball too. And so he gets to play baseball. That's just what I want to mention. I thought the character of James Earl Jones in general was um, mentally unstable, just like everybody else, and uh, weird and um, scary. And uh, But he also was more rational than Ray. So um, I really didn't like him in Cosmo in this movie. I thought he was so bland and boring. <laughs> I thought he didn't add a single piece of anything. The whole thing think... is about the father-son relationship. Okay, so now we're there. So you said father-son relationship, so we'll get there. That's so what it's what, about. So what Maddie was referring to at the very, at you know, like five minutes ago, and then what we were talking about at the very beginning, was uh, daddy issues come to a head when the catcher, who Maddie's absolutely right, was somebody else, yes. is revealed to be actually Ray's dad who had died um years prior and he never knew his dad as being like a young 
uh, energetic, enthusiastic man, just an old, um, bitter, jaded man. Um, so uh, it's a it's a sweet scene, kind of. I keep using the word weird. I need to add more to my vocabulary, but it was like it was there was an on moment when Annie and the kid just sort of back away and give them a moment. Like I get it, but it's also like. I don't know. My reaction would be different. Like, OMG, you're my father-in-law. Whoa. Tell me about yourself. I would just like have a different moment, I think, in like the initial points. And then also similar with, oh my God, you're my grandpa with the kid. Um, But yeah, it was weird. And they exchanged like sort of a creepy. Um, Julia Jackson says like, no, it was you. And I didn't understand what he meant before he like fades into the corn. Um, anyway, that's how the movie basically ends. Then you get, or well, the way ending is um, they play catch uh, with each other, the father and the dead dad. So, I mean, sorry, the dead dad and Ray. That's how the movie ends, they play catch. So they never play a full game of baseball in a baseball movie. Oh, well, okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm burying the lead a little bit. So it was, you know, if you build it, they will come, became like the thing. In other words, um, like people would weirdly be summoned to this field. I mean, it's all so strange. Um, they'd be summoned to the field to watch these like cheater ghost players play baseball. Yeah. And um, it would be really popular to make them a lot of money. So that's the that's how they resolve the financial thing. Like, how are they going to pay for this? The answer is they're going to make money from ticket sales, uh, which is weird. Um, again, I use the word weird. I've said it like 85 times today. But also, um, so you see at the very end, they're playing catch while you see cars coming into their property to see them, which where's the parking lot? But we won't even get into that. So they're just going to park any which way on this farm. I guess it's the middle of nowhere. So you can park anywhere. But it's not like L.A. I live in Los Angeles. So uh, it's not like that. Um, anyway, that's how the movie ends. So that's all I have to say. Ben, do you have like more to defend? Of course. The ending, I think, is the greatest ending to any movie. Oh, my God. Uh, I, no, you don't. I, I, I'm not making this up. I cry every time. I am not a crier, and I cry when I watch the end of Field of Dreams. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a great relationship with my dad, and it's still yeah. incredibly meaningful to see them play catch again. Okay. Maddie, do you have a better take? <laughs> I mean, take? I just think that the movie is almost the antithesis of do not talk to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't travel cross country when you don't know what you're doing and have no money. Yeah. Um, Unless you're white. I, that's kind of what I'm getting. Also, uh, the idea that people are going to show up every single day and make them a lot of money. What are they charging, by the way, for this game? Yeah, of baseball? The 80s. 20, 20 bucks? You could. Are you kidding me? Prices. No, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's ridiculous. Number one, twenty dollars to watch ghosts play baseball. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. To me, you wouldn't pay to watch Shoeless Joe play baseball. No. And a bunch of I others. wouldn't. I wouldn't pay twenty dollars. I wouldn't pay no, twenty dollars uh, in to go to Iowa. I would not. 
number one, I you wouldn't catch me in Iowa. <laughs> that is the first no, aspect wouldn't. of this. Well, because it's established how the Midwest is is forbidden for Maddie. Yeah, no, no, no. The Midwest is forbidden. Number one, after watching, we watched Billy Club. The the peak of Midwest horror baseball. Correct. Why would I want to go there? Second of yeah. all, I've been to Cooperstown. For Coop, Cooperstown is a town that is exclusively like three streets and a baseball museum. The museum is great. But if I'm going to Iowa to go to this field and pay $20 to watch these old people play baseball, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it when I can go down, take a subway ride and go to Yankee Stadium or go to City Field. I'm not going to do it. It makes no sense to me. Um, Just the idea that it's a PG movie and they're just like, no, 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 we're, it's a PG movie. And, that's, and that's they're wrong. going across. I'm actually surprised it was PG rated. Like, yeah, that's wrong. With some of the stuff they said, there was almost a swear. There was almost an F-bomb. But other than that, the Nazi cow scene, I think they would have maybe wanted to sense, maybe throw it to a PG-13 rating or something. Positive There's a, yeah. There was a dope mention, which was one of my favorite lines in the movie. But again. Yeah. I don't, again, I just don't think kids would, parents would want that. It would be a PTA scene all over again. Um, <laughs> no, the ghost, I think they just did a poor explanation of the ghost um, and everything in it. I think the idea that the ghosts are somehow just like, accept, I don't feel like they would just accept these random baseball players to come mm. play with them. I feel like there is a superiority complex because number one, they bash Ty Cobb. They said they hate Ty Cobb. He's an awful not, person. He's yeah, he's an awful person, but they bash him, but they don't know anything of these other people coming to play with them. And I just feel like there is an ego that they'd be like, you're not a major leaguer, like get the hell out of here. But but I will say, like you said, the family aspect of it is nice. And I think that's important. And I think that's the redeeming quality of the movie to a slight degree. I'm not overlooking the fact the fantasy element completely overshadows it and the financials. But I like the addition of the dad-daughter relationship and the rekindling of the father-son relationship. By the way, his dad was hot. I gotta throw it out there. The character they played, the dad, he was kind of hot. I'll give it to him. But other than that... Mm. Kind of. I can't I can't defend the movie too much. No. I um no. I did not think the dad was very attractive, but didn't like pop out to me. Um so I disagree with you there. Um but um no, I thought that yeah, the scene at the end was like sweet. It didn't make me cry. Um, but it was like nice and nice to get closure. We, you know, everybody wishes in bad relationships and bad things that you could get closure. I, for one, am awaiting some closure on certain parts of things in my life that I'll never get closure on. So maybe I should just drive to fucking Iowa and uh, the people that I'm talking about will appear. Um, Frank Thomas just bought the real field. Who? Frank Thomas. Oh, yeah. fine. Like a, is leading a group that's buying the the real Field of Dreams fields. Oh, that's I also okay, need to. So I need to address another elephant in the room. Why Iowa? I get it that Annie is 
lives there or whatever. Yeah, it's but weird. why do we need to do Iowa? There is a ton of other states that I think are more interesting or like it would have made sense to me to do Chicago because of the whole Chicago. And it would make sense if you were like a longtime fan and you felt like gypped about it. That's why he's like more excited to me. I feel like they could have tied it in better that right. it's just an Iowa thing. He was a New York fan with his yep. dad and everything. And then we're, and then we're suddenly bringing in the Chicago White Sox. Like right. I get they yeah, were. I grew up a White team. Sox fan and then moved, moved to New York and became a Yankees fan after the Black Sox scandal. Yeah. But still, I feel like at that point, the emphasis on the Yankees and the, the Dodgers at the time were, or was it the Giants? I can't remember which one he said he was a fan of. It was the Dodgers. Again, it seems more important to then focus on those teams because that was when they had their little rivalry like his father was the Yankees fan and he obviously was the Dodger fan so that would have I thought made more sense to bring it back in it's fine to do the Chicago aspect of it but it's just it feels out of place to me yeah it didn't it didn't yeah that yes I agree with you from the start it didn't make sense uh to me that they were talking so much about the White Sox it's sort of, this is what I wrote as an overall impression, Ben. So cover your ears and Maddie. Um, I said the following, and this will relate to what you were just saying. Weird as fuck, sweet at the end, I guess. But I was left feeling a bit unsatisfied. And like, what's actually the point of it all? That baseball brings people together with dead, ki- with dead cheaters? Everybody in this movie is deluded. That was my overall, that was my sum up paragraph. Um, Again, I thought if they focused on, like, like there's so many, you know, they were talking, there was, like, racist elements. They could have easily made this, like, a Jackie Robinson, uh, you know, uh, thing. They could have easily made this a, um, um, uh, well, the Red Sox are frequently um, uh, vote, voted as the uh, most racist, understated racist fandom in baseball they could have done something there they could have done it was hank aaron alive at the yeah i mean he was obviously alive. yes this hank, year. yeah no i mean like no i mean like um what in the time frame in which they're talking about like they could have done a hank aaron thing because it was like very post he played very post integration they could have done a lot of different things but it didn't make sense to me that they were focusing on like a bunch of white players and a bunch of white players who had cheated i don't it just didn't land with me and I was left feeling unsatisfied also because I wanted to see them play an actual baseball game in front of a ton of fans. I guess that, that it wasn't, that wasn't really the point. But just for me in, in, in seeing those scenes, I just like seeing baseball. So, and I didn't get much of actual baseball. Like I got it 10 minutes maybe. That was my overall impression. Ben, do you want to like cut my throat now? Uh, no, but I do, I, I do want to respond. So what, what you just brought up actually is what I think is kind of like the, the, to me, what is the one real criticism is that the, they they ignored the Negro Leagues here. Uh, yes, the direct yes. after the movie, the director did acknowledge that he made a big mistake not having any of the Field of Dreams players be Negro Leaguers yes. because they were denied the chance to play in ma- Major League Baseball. So, uh, Josh Gibson's satchel page definitely should be on the field. Yes. They they would start any legendary Field of Dreams team you could come up with. Um, so yes, that, that, to me, that is the one, uh, real criticism that, that, that sticks with me. Um, but I will say you're saying like, uh, are these just a bunch of dead cheaters? 
like to some extent, but they're not, they're not all of them are, are cheaters. We see there are people giving us such a second chance, like Moonlight Graham. Mel Ott is one of the players. He's not, he was known as a good guy, not, and not like a dirty player. Um, and it's easy to imagine that over time, like the, the players change. Like today, Shoeless Joe probably would be playing at the Field of Dreams, but Kurt Flood would also be there. Um, and Kurt, Kurt Flood is, is, I think, the m- most egregious omission from the Hall of Fame. He was a, a great outfielder for the Cardinals. And um, in 1969, he wrote a letter to the commissioner saying he, he would not uh, show up at spring training with the Phillies after being traded. Uh, and he demand he demanded that that his name be known as a free agent, um, and he was kind of blackballed like the league, which sounds familiar today um, to fa- fans of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and and Kurt Kurt Flood uh, is one of the reasons we have free agency today, and he really should be honored in the Hall of Fame. And it's easy to imagine that he would be at the Field of Dreams if you could if the movie was made today, for example. So that's a very that, that is a big thing missing. That's yeah, very... because I think yeah. we hear an eight men out. Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, but the end of the movie, we see mm-hmm. Joe playing baseball in this minor league in yes. in like one of the New England areas. Yeah. So he does get a chance, hypothetically, to be playing baseball even after the thing. So he then did. it brings up the question, why is he the central baseball focus? of the movie when you could have chosen a better person, especially from the Negro leagues, because I also think as everybody said, that would enhance Terrence Mann's point in the story. And it would have made so much more sense. And, and I don't think, I think out of the cheaters on the world series team, Joe Jackson to me is the least cheatery of them, especially after watching eight men out. But again, the fact that he did get the opportunity to play after, as we're told, under a fake name and everything, right. Right. kind of undermines the purpose of this being a sanctuary of players who were either shipped or couldn't play after or didn't get the opportunity to have that sense of peace playing. Playing so, in some faraway independent league is not the same as playing with major leaguers again. Yes, but I still would argue that he gets an opportunity to versus what we see Moonlight Graham who barely got the opportunity to, or Terrence Mann who never got the opportunity to either. So I, I think it could have been used stronger in a different character as a lead versus Joe Jackson, I think. And I think it all comes back to the idea that this movie is an adaptation of a book called Joe Jackson goes to Iowa, or I believe like something like that is the title. So that's why he is the central figure of this movie i just think it could have been done better with another lead baseball player as your figure yeah i think uh you know you guys bring up such an interesting point i i think of modern players that would be on that because it would make so much more sense for the movie if that's what it was about like a bunch of players not just people that did something illegal but players that physically were banned because of the color of their skin or maybe if you know, we could explore players of sexualities. Uh, the first out um, baseball player was a Dodger in the um, in the Tommy Las- in the early days of Tommy Lasorda, um, and so there's players like that that actually couldn't play not for doing anything wrong, just for being who they are or for the circumstances. You, I mean, my God, 
if we're talking about black people, we have to throw in Asian people because of the internment camps. And think about how many of those I learned this this week that the first player to break the NBA color barrier was Asian. I had no idea. And you don't learn about it in school like you do Jackie Robinson. Uh, So I think all those like underrepresented folks, that would have made a lot more sense for the movie. And again, for Terrence Mann's character, as you were saying, Maddie. But I think about modern, modern people. um, And a lot of what comes to mind is actually women. Like, because softball is not even a thing in this country, unless you're watching the Olympics Mm -hmm. um, or like the Little League. They have like a Little League softball, but nobody even watches that. Um, So I think about women being in this field of dreams and women that should have gotten the opportunity, like the the League of Their Own. We'll eventually watch League of Their Own, but like those women, like women that are genuinely good. And think about what this, the makeup of the sport would look like if women have been playing for as long as men have. I think that would be fascinating, really, to explore. Mm. Um, But I think, like, really modern, um, I think of players that have died, too. Died early. Died too soon. Mm. um, That haven't gotten to live out their careers. Um, I think of Jose Fernandez. Yes, he was... Basically, he was going to be in jail if he didn't die, because he was, like, on coke and crashed a boat um it's a really like sad story um so him there's a uh, tyler skag 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 yep and uh from the angels, like, the angels have another guy what Jordano ventura pitcher for the royals a few years yes ago. Mm-hmm. uh the angels have another guy tyler skags was a pitcher but they had an outfielder right who played one game and then died on his way home from that one game you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, he was a... Yeah, he's exactly that. He's oh, who was that? Uh, yeah. I do know what you mean. That was yeah. like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. That would have like changed their whole franchise. The players like that, that have... That have... That their careers have been cut short. I think of Sandy Koufax. And I know you're rolling your eyes at me, but had he gotten Tommy John surgery, his career would have gone 10 years longer. His career ended at 31, 32. Uh... And he, you know, and oftentimes, sometimes players just hit their stride at 31, 32. We see Jacob DeGrom now. So I think of players like that from all eras that maybe should have been playing longer or that died or that are underrepresented of all races and colors and creeds and sexualities. Let's remember that there are very few players out and proud to this day, if any. I think there's one out NFL player. I don't know if there's anybody... Right now, that's currently active on a major league roster. I don't think there's a single one. Not that I can think of. And that's sad to me. And I wish that it wasn't like that. Anyway, it would be nice if our country was um, amenable uh, to to those populations. And not just to cheating White Sox, who are all white and who cheated. And I'm sorry, I'm mad about it. Yes, because of the Astros. But I'm also mad about it anyway. I don't like cheating. The name of the angel who died in 2009 is Nick Aidenhart. Thank you. Yes, of course. Aidenhart. Yes, thank you. Nick Aidenhart. Um, yeah, we all know that sad story. And uh, and there's others. There's so many others. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, you, you bring up orientation. And literally yes. in the time period of 76, 78, the Dodgers are apparently the only team to ever have two yeah. openly gay players. 
one being Glenn Burke, an African-American. So that would have even furthered the thing. Mm -hmm. He also played for Oakland. We had the Oakland tie in the game as well. It would have been a pretty meaningful addition, I think, to have there. Um, You know, there's just so many opportunities that could have been going on. Billy Bean, also a Dodgers player, also a Padres player, also could have been there. Yes. He didn't come out until retiring, but that could have shown more. I, you know what? I think if I was the director, I would have just taken it in a different direction. And maybe this is the Kevin Cosner hate. Cut him out of the movie. <laughs> restructure the movie like towards these players. Yeah. And you could have had, I think, a much more meaningful story. Because I think the aspect that bothered me was the fantasy aspect that was very poorly yeah, constructed like with yeah. what the terms of seeing ghosts were and then what weren't and how they, I think that could have been restructured or completely fixed by the elimination of this poor Iowa story and just reframing what it means to have a second opportunity to play baseball when you're not given the chance. Yeah. Um, I maybe, you know what, the three of us, here's an idea that I'm working out on the podcast. The three of us should write a fucking screenplay. <laughs> Field of Dreams, Real Dreams. That's what it's called. And um, and Kevin Cotter, you know what? Can I just say this quick thing about Kevin Cotter? The only reason I don't like him is because I think he plays the same part in every movie he's ever in. And it's slightly angsty, white dad. He it was is- like a bad Jerry Seinfeld in this movie. He like dressed yeah. like him. He tried to do the comedic lines that it were just not landing. Yeah, he's just yeah. boring to me. You'll see him um, bolder that his character is very different. Like he'll he'll still say he's an angry dad, but like his his views are different. Okay, well, as a we'll veteran see. minor leaguer, and my mom always wants me to see Dances with Wolves, so apparently he's different in that too. So apparently I'm not giving him because you know he's actually a good actor. Okay, well he's won a few Oscars, but my point being that. I think, and he won, I think, the Oscar for Boulder. Not for this one, but for, he was nominated for this one, which is stupid and weird. Um, but was there no movie in 88 or 87, whatever year this movie came out? Um, that was the year the Dodgers won the World Series, by the way. Um, and he's a Dodger fan, which is what I wanted to say in the first place. He is a Dodger fan, and I respect all Dodger fans. We gotta, we gotta keep our, we gotta keep our close, our group close-knit. He is a Dodger fan in real life. That's true. When... Vince Scully retired. He did a thing. That's true. So I do respect Kevin Costner. I just don't love the parts he plays. To me, they're a little redundant of each other. That's just mine. And frankly, a lot of movies in that time were a lot, a lot, they were very white heavy. They were very, that kind of person was the leading guy. And they weren't, there weren't good roles written for women or for people of color back then. Not as much. Uh, that is partly why I'm peeved by Kevin Costner because he's sort of the poster child for all those guys. That's what I'll say about that. Internet, don't be mad at me. We get like five listeners to this podcast, so nobody will get too mad at me. That's, that's why we can say whatever we want. Since that's why we can say whatever we want. Do we have closing? Do we have closing thoughts before we get into our rankings? No? I mean, mm, just not a Midwest person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give me, I hear that. Give me another East Coast baseball movie. Give me but, give me a, a better, you know, put it in also two year well, that is true. Hometown. My my home my hometown. I get to Hilarious. finally watch the Bull Durham movie, which I have been to the Durham Bull Stadium like nice probably a hundred times. It's gorgeous. I love it there. Very so retired there, which is cool. Yeah, it's a lovely place, but uh, not the Midwest. Not a Midwest fan. 
I'm not a mid. I'm not a Midwest fan. Although I do want to go to Chicago. I do too. Uh, because I've never been before, and I do want to go to Wrigley. I want to go to um. I want to go to uh the the bull a Bulls game. I'd like to go to a White Sox game. I'd like to go to a lot of different sporting events, and also they have museums there that are very fun. But uh, my closing thoughts are that um that we should be care. I I think the the um. I don't think that movie would be made today in part because of because of hearing voices and how delicate when you when you broach that sort of thing in a movie and its relation to like the um the the represent- representation of like schizophrenia and uh borderline personality disorder uh and stuff like that split personality disorder I think that uh it's a walking a thin line but my closing closing statement is that if we remade this movie, it would be so good. And I already have ideas. So let's uh let's brainstorm after this. I want to do it so bad. Uh we could call it something else, and it's our own, based off of loosely filled dreams. What are your closing thoughts, Ben? Uh so I, I think this is a beautiful movie about father-son relationships uh and giving people second chances with right. both things. Are important aspects of life, uh, and the the fantasy is the means of all that happening. And you're, it doesn't matter whether you actually think it makes sense or not. Like, and for us as living people, maybe it shouldn't make sense. Um, so, I, I think uh, the two of you are to some extent missing the point of the movie. <laughs> wow, that's harsh. Okay, uh, I see what you're saying, though, Ben. You're right. We're we're giving it a hard time, but there is like a sweet message behind it that if you don't look too far into it, then you could really appreciate. Um, so favorite characters, Maddie. Um, I know we talked about him. Uh, Terrence Mann was my favorite. I think I'm just oh. a James Earl Jones fan in general, and I just love seeing him act. Um, and so he, in particular, in the scene where Ray gets to his apartment, number one, that probably would cost about $2,000 today. He has this really good, he just has such a good interaction. I think it's just so funny that this man supposedly has met the Beatles and that this random man can just come up to his apartment and just kind of try to interrogate him for questions. And he says a line in particular uh, when he tries to shut him out the door, peace, love, dope, get the hell out of here. I I love the delivery on it. I love um, to just hear about stuff like that, especially with writers from that era. I think it's very interesting. I think he didn't overplay his character. I think that's just more of a thing for James Earl Jones in general. Um, And I think it's just nice because he did have some rational thoughts at some point. I think he was a little bit more grounded than Ray. So it was nice to see that on this little journey. Um, I just like their interactions, I think, in general. And so he had to be my favorite. Okay. Ben? Uh, so my favorite character is Karen. Uh, she's a cute little kid, which is always fun in a movie. Uh, but she also has an important role in the movie. Like she has, I wouldn't say like a kind of higher knowledge, but she catches on to like the point quickly. Yeah. Like she, she she sees Shoeless Joe before the rest of them. Uh, she, she says like, oh, people will come. Uh, before anyone else realizes like there's a real opportunity here. Um, And as you said, it's always great to see little kids who are baseball fans, especially girls, uh, which I hope, uh, I hope other people are inspired to become baseball fans by watching this movie. Or by listening to our podcast, either one. (laughs) 
because we're uh, reaching such a wide audience. <laughs> yeah, we're reaching such a vast group of people. Uh, my favorite character is Annie, obviously. Um, I really identify with a nice liberal chick um, who's also really like sort of go with the flow. I think that's aspirational, really. Um, we could all be as like understanding and as compassionate as she is. I think there's something to be said for that. She also was like the most real to me of anybody in the movie. In other words, like I believed her when I didn't necessarily believe other people. Um, although I did like James Earl Jones, I thought he was really good too. Um, and uh, and shout out to how hot Shulis Joe Jackson was. I don't know who that actor is. Ray uh, Liotta. Oh, he does not look as good now. Yeah, he no, has had work done. Really. He has had work done, and I was scared when I looked at the IMDb after. And he's famous for like playing like gangsters and stuff. So it's nice to see him play like a, a more like mild man. An old version of a gang, like a, an old school version of a gangster, a gambler. <laughs> um, so no. Uh, yeah. So that was my favorite character. Uh, quickly, let's go through favorite scenes. I'll start. Obviously, the what Annie versus Nazi in the town hall meeting by a long shot. I just love when like conservative people are called to the carpet. I'm sorry. It's just like so refreshing because there's so much and it so harkens to what to the misinformation and the ignorance that we see today. It it's like so we haven't we think we've made so much progress, but then you watch a movie like this and you like compare it to what happens literally 35 years later and you're like, oh whoops, we actually have like so far to go and we maybe have taken some steps backwards. So Anyway, uh, that was my favorite scene. What's everybody else's favorite scene? Uh, I agree. The PTA one was up there for my top two. The second one probably being just the building of the field, just the interaction between Karen and Ray. Just seeing yeah, that is, is very cute and very nostalgic for me. Um, growing up with a baseball dad uh, and then not playing baseball. Shout out to Karen for not playing baseball being the the young girl whose dad did not make her play baseball but she knows everything that was me that's right so I really appreciate that scene of just seeing that relationship because I think that hit home with me more than the father-son relationship obviously I am not a son uh so I liked that I liked that relationship more and I just liked how that was portrayed that it was just so positive to see a little girl like learning being engaged with baseball and him like answering these questions and sharing his experience I thought that was really cool mm, that's okay yeah I don't my dad hates baseball or doesn't hate it but like we don't I, I'm not a fan because of him I, I'm a fan because of the females in my family my mom and grandma are, are diehards so mm-hmm. I I am a diehard as well Ben what is your uh so I think you know where I'm going here the last scene is my favorite scene sure. I think that playing catch is incredibly moving uh and as I said it uh it's, it brings out an emotional reaction out of me, which very few, if any, other movies do. Because you're a man and you can't show emotion. That's we not get why. It. Like, I just don't cry. Like, okay. Girls, that's about it. I don't know. I, I just don't cry much. I don't, um, I don't cry much either. Up will do it every time. Up will, up will, the waterworks will begin. But anyway, I cried for a lot in in college. <laughs> I was very depressed. Uh, that is not a conversation for right now. Uh, we're talking about Field of Dreams. Anyway, the moral of the story is we're going to rewrite it. It's going to be better. And it's going to be more uh, um, uh, a reflection of, of society at large, not just white people. 
That's the moral of the story. Uh, okay, we have to do, I almost forgot, we have to do our ranking out of 10. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Ben, is it just a 10 for you? No, it's not, it, but you're still not going to like it. I, I give it a nine and a half. Uh, this is my favorite sports movie. Um, I think it, it says something incredibly meaningful uh, about us at large. It says something about father-son relationships, uh, and you could ex- expand that to generational divides in general. Uh, and and I, I think the fantasy elements are, are, are pretty cool. You don't really see sports fantasy often. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I would what you say is off-putting i think it's pretty creative okay um cool so nine and a half from ben and it's just gonna go downhill from here maddie <laughs> give it your ranking so this is a little confusing i feel like my rating is not gonna make sense considering i gave bench warmers last week a seven and a half which so <laughs> is absurd so terrible. i agree with nobody so which nobody expected so this rating is gonna i think piss people off yeah you know there were good aspects to the movie, so that right. gives it a couple points. Mm-hmm. I think the Polar Express explanation of ghosts is it's bringing it down for me. I think the yep, Stranger yep. Danger is bringing it down. I think okay. the children, children of the corn thing, yep, you know, it's yep. it's hurting. I think, like we've said, with the uh, focus being on different players, maybe including more diversity in the players. Would have been nice. I also have a Midwest beef, apparently. So, you know, that also takes it down. I would never own a farm. I, that would be my, that would actually be hell. So okay. the idea that this is heaven to some of these players, yeah. immediately no. Um, so for that, I like James Earl Jones. I like Karen. Um, I liked all that, but I'm going to give it like a five. Oh, that's I was gonna. I was going to, I was going to do 4.5, but I feel like, the acting was pretty decent so i can't like i have to give it some credit like i think the movie was shot well so i will give props to director cinematographer for that one too because i gave a lot of shit to billy club so i feel like i have to i have to stick to that rating okay all right it's my turn well i do want to preface by saying that um i i i do not like a movie that that leaves out uh, diversity when it could easily apply. And that really peeves me, which is why we will write a new version of the movie and make it better. That is my first thing. I also don't like Kevin Costner, so he brings it down for me. But I did like Annie. I did like Karen. I thought she was really cute. I did like James Earl Jones' character, Terrence Mann. There were some scenes in there that I think were um, well acted and and um, and the movie. I mean, we saw Billy Club, which was so awful and Benchwarmers, which I hated. So anything that doesn't want to make me physically barf gets <laughs> gets more points. Uh, with all that said, and with everything I've said in, in the prior hour that we've been talking, my final is a five and a half. <laughs> That's my final ranking. I never thought, based on our conversation, you guys would be in like the three, three and a half range. I <laughs> know, I can't, well, I can't go that low. Because we've seen genuinely bad, like badly produced product, productions. And, yeah. um, and, and those are no fun to sit through, although fun to talk about. This was a movie that you have to give its, its props for creativity uh, and 
uh, production value was high, although at times confusing. Um, and it gets knocked for me. It's it's very average. I mean, I would put it at average. I think of it as being average, maybe slightly above because I like the character of Annie. If Annie weren't in there, it'd be a two. I'll say that. Um, if there was like a boring wife, like what they normally do, where it's like the wife is either dumb or bitchy or ignorant, then the movie would have a two. They made this wife an actual real human being, which I appreciate. And Karen was fun. Yeah, I think that is important that this movie, while I don't think we liked it all that much, it resonated with a lot of people so much so that it is like a Congress of a Library acclaimed movie. It got, we had the big game this past year that drew in the most fans for the year. Yeah. Or in like recent years. So it obviously has reached a lot of people, which I think is important for sports movies because now with the declining fans of baseball, it's important to have a really popular movie sitting atop of these sports to keep baseball still relevant and still interesting. So that is, I think, the most important thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it it sparks a conversation that went an hour, 17 minutes, which is always like, it's so easy with some of the really, really bad movies to just like not talk about it all. Cause like, what are you going to talk about with this one? There's a lot to talk about, which is telling of a movie that withstands the test of time in a way. Um, so th- that's it. That's it guys. We made it through field of dreams. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. Um, as always, you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram, um, at all talk, no Bach. And we are posting more articles in the near future. We have taken a little bit of a lull post postseason, but we are coming up with some good ones uh, that will be fun. So Ben knows a lot about that. Uh, and then you can um, you can tell your friends about us. You could listen to this on Spotify. We're trying to get on YouTube, so stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, so keep supporting us. <laughs> Or maybe start supporting us, depending on how you look at it. And um, and we'll see you guys for next week's movie. It might be capitalism related because of Black Friday. So that's that was creepy. That was like, so they he will come, Bill. Then he will come. So creepy. So ah, uh, weird. I'd run and hide. Um. Anyway. I gave it a five and a half and I stick by my word. I I I thank Ben. We thank Ben for coming on today. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it was lovely. It was very fun. And uh, and we will talk to you guys next week for the next exciting movie. And don't worry, there are some bad ones coming up. So get ready for some really, really bad baseball movies. Those are the fun ones. I love you guys so much. Uh, follow us on all the platforms. We'll see you next week. Ta-ta!